Welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Heather. And I'm Kelsey. And that's right. You heard Heather starting a podcast episode. It has been months since I have done this. <laughs> Yay! Kelsey's been really stepping it up on this podcast over the past few months. She needs a raise. And by a raise, I mean more books. <laughs> <laughs> I would love more books. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, on today's episode, we are discussing the romance novel Love and Other Words by Christina Lauren. But before we get into that, are you drinking anything this evening that's caffeinated? I am. So I've been a little sick this week. So I'm having some tea tonight. I have my blueberry tea and it is caffeinated. But I think I'll be fine because I've been banging NyQuil and sleeping pills, which I Googled today. You're not supposed to do, but I feel much better. So <laughs> I'm thriving. <laughs> I'm doing great. So one more night probably ain't going to kill me. Okay. How about you? I went to Dunkin' after work today because they have their cookie butter cold brew back. I don't think I ever had cookie butter oh, cold brew. It's pretty good. It's basically... It's just the cold brew, and then they have a cookie butter cold foam, oh. and then it's brown sugar cookie syrup. Oh, why yeah. have I not had that? That sounds wonderful. I don't know. I'm kind of surprised you haven't. It came out last year. It was, I think last year was the first year they ran it, but it's really good. And obviously, Starbucks has their winter drinks out as well starting today. Yeah, I've got to go to Dunkin' tomorrow, though. That sounds Mm -hmm. magical. Yeah, I'm ready to embrace... I'm not ready for peppermint yet, Mm. but I'm ready for some in-between. Then I think that this is a perfect in-betweener for you. Yeah. All right, I'm getting it tomorrow. I'll I'll report back. (laughs) Sounds good. Cheers. Cheers. So Christina Lauren is actually a combined pen name of longtime writing partners and best friends, Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings, which, by the way, I don't know how people can write a book together. And they've done so many. I am so happy you're saying this because I literally had the same thing. Like, I know that Greer Hendricks Mm -hmm. and Sarah Panakin do it, but they do it alternating chapters yeah so they're not actually writing the same part like how i this blows my mind how do they sit down together i don't know agree on every single sentence yeah i don't know and it It, flows it does it does this yeah exactly (laughs) and they write both young adult and adult fiction novels and together they have produced 19 new york times best-selling novels Okay, that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that many, by the way. I've read two. I had this one on my book cart, and I have two other ones on my book cart. Potentially three, but definitely two. So, I mean, I guess right there I have, like, six. But I didn't realize that there that – there, I didn't just didn't realize that there was that many. And like I said on the bonus episode, they have a new book coming out next year. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know they had that many either because I mm-hmm. had just started hearing about them. Mm-hmm. So, that's crazy. And one of my favorite things, so on their Goodreads, some authors can add things to to their bio because I think they make kind of like their own account with Goodreads. And so it says, some of these books have kissing. Some of these books have a lot of kissing. 
<laughs> okay, that's true. I was like, oh, that's funny. So they're published in over 30 languages. They have received multiple starred reviews, won both the Seal of Excellence and Book of the Year from RT Magazine. They've been inducted into the Library Reads Hall of Fame. They've been named Amazon and Audible Romance of the Year. They're a Lambda Literary Award finalist. And last but not least, been nominated for several Goodreads Choice Awards. What is this Hall of Fame? I don't know, but the accolades that they have. That's impressive. Yeah. Yes, it is. So that's them. And clearly, whatever they're doing, they're doing it correctly because they are hugely successful. I know that I had never heard of them until Bookstagram and BookTok. I wouldn't say that their books, they're not like as big as like Colleen Hoover Mm -hmm. or Taylor Jenkins Reid, but they're definitely up there. Yeah, I actually got Taylor Jenkins Reid vibes. Yes, while I I was reading this. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the book. Oh, God, it's been so long since I've done this. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, I went to Goodreads for my description. So all right. The story of the heart can never be unwritten. Macy Sorensen is settling into an ambitious, if emotionally, tepid routine. Work hard as a new pediatrics resident, plan her wedding to an older, financially secure man, keep her head down, and her heart tucked away. But when she runs into Elliot Petropolis, the first and only love of her life, the careful bubble she's constructed begins to dissolve. Once upon a time, Elliot was Macy's entire world, growing from her gangly, bookish friend into the man who coaxed her heart open again after the loss of her mother, only to break it on the very night he declared his love for her. Told in alternating timelines between then and now, teenage Elliot and Macy grow from friends to much more, spending weekends and lazy summers together in a house outside of San Francisco devouring books, sharing favorite words, and talking through their growing pains and triumphs. As adults, they have become strangers to one another until their chance reunion. Although their memories are obscured by the agony of what happened that night so many years ago, Elliot will come to understand the truth behind Macy's decade-long silence and will have to overcome the past and himself to revive her faith in the possibility of an all-consuming love. Love, loss, friendship, and betrayal of the past all collide in this first fiction novel from New York Times and best-selling author Christina Lauren. You did great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> so right, yeah. That sets us up. It really does. And so Macy and Elliot are obviously the main characters of this book. There are some supporting characters, but they don't, they're not really imperative to this story, mm-hmm. realistically. She has the best friend, Sabrina, the fiance, Sean, and then from their youth, there is Emma, who she's kind of a big character, mm-hmm. and their family members. Macy's dad, the mom, even though she's not really in the novel because she's dead. But realistically, this book just focuses on Macy and Elliot. You know how sometimes we'll read books and the the minor characters have bigger roles? I feel like I didn't really get that in this book. I truly felt like it was just Macy and Elliot's story, and these people were just kind of in the background. I agree with that. I think everyone was in there for a specific Mm -hmm. purpose. The only person I think had more than just like one purpose is the dad. Yes, absolutely. But that's just because it's all this like coming of age. Mm -hmm. And because of the death of her mom, 
that's why he had such a big presence in it. But everyone else, I feel like, like, especially Sabrina, Sean, like, they were just there to do their specific purpose. Yeah. And they did it, and that's it. And I think it was wonderfully written how they were all in there, too. Like, even though they were such minor characters, they still had such a presence in the book, but not big enough to the point where you feel the need to the discuss them if that yeah. makes sense yeah I, you know i feel like sometimes we have books and we're discussing multiple characters and i feel like in this book it's really only macy and elliot and the dad yeah yeah <laughs> i think they serve their purpose yeah. very well exactly so the book is as it said in the bio it's in alternating timelines so there's the then which was 11 years ago and this was when macy and elliot first met and then there's the now which is the current time where they end up reuniting. I loved the dual timelines in this book. Sometimes I'm not a huge fan, but this one I really liked. I feel like it flowed together very, very nicely. It was really well wrapped up. And just the then, you really just like, um, I don't even know how to describe it, but the way that the then was written, I felt like I was there. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you just, you really feel that coming of, the coming of age, the way that the coming of age stories were written it was very realistic, very realistic. And so Macy and Elliot meet following the death of her mother. They become best friends and they fall in love. But so much happens before this. Mm-hmm. This whole build up to their relationship, their friendship to relationship and the demise of it. So Macy's mom wrote her all these letters before she passed away, which I know you said you really liked. Mm-hmm. You liked that aspect of the novel. And one of the letters basically said, at some point, you're going to know that Macy needs to escape. And so the dad took this as, I literally need to buy another house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he buys a vacation home in Hedelsburg. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Close we're gonna, enough. We're going to go with that. And so the house that they move into is next door to Elliot and his very big, loud, boisterous family. But what what was so cute is their their meet cute was fun. Yeah. So the house is empty and then Macy goes upstairs into what is going to be her bedroom and she opens up the closet and there's just this lanky teenage boy just chilling in there reading a book. <laughs> and she's like, um, aren't you trespassing? And he's like, this is an open house. He's like, yeah, which like props. Yeah. He had, he, it's a loophole. He definitely yeah. found a loophole. <laughs> And immediately this bond between them occurs because they both have this love for books and it's just brought to the forefront of the novel instantaneously. And one of my favorite things was that the dad turned her closet into a library, which the dream. So it's like a literal book nook. And he, they have like, it just keeps growing. Like there's every time that they go for a long period of time, there's more blankets, there's more shelves, there mm-hmm. he puts the stars on the ceiling and he paints it midnight blue. I was like, this is my dream. And this is the this is the place where Macy and Elliot's friendship grows, their relationship blossoms. They're always together in this in this room. Mm-hmm. 99% of their time together is spent in this closet. And they have their serious conversations in this closet as well, which one of my favorite things about Elliot too was how open and willing he was to talk about literally any topic. Mm -hmm. Like Macy got her period and he's chill about it. He's like, let's talk about it. He's like, I got a baby sister coming. What do I got to expect? 
like the emotional maturity of this young boy. Mm-hmm. You would never actually find that today. Never in a million years. The fact that he's the youngest of four boys mm-hmm. and he's so different from his brothers. And mm-hmm. we find out that he's actually like a genius. Yeah. Not just smart. He's like <laughs> skipping grades and like going to college early and all this stuff. But I thought that was the most unbelievable, but also the best thing about the book is the honesty. It feels so unrealistic, but it's what makes their story unique. And it's kind of like how you said that because they're in this closet, it's like this separate world where Mm -hmm. they can literally talk with without being judged, Mm -hmm. with no like barriers. I feel like if they didn't have that space they wouldn't have had this open communication that they did. It's literally as if they're stepping into their own private realm. Mm -hmm. And it's theirs and theirs alone. And they can have these private conversations. They can express their feelings for each other and their feelings about other things in their life. And it's, it's really beautiful. And so Elliot to Macy, it's the only person who doesn't see her as the girl whose mom died. And she really appreciates that. In one of the emails, at one point, they trade emails and they're emailing back and forth. And she says in one of her emails, no one here understands that I just want to be another girl at school, not the kid whose mom died and who needs to be treated like she can break. Thanks for just saying stuff and not acting like it's all taboo. Find me a teenage boy that can have this conversations. <laughs> Find me one. For her to be able to say, for her to be able to recognize that that's what is like setting him apart from other people Mm -hmm. and not just saying, you know, oh, you're different, but because of this horrible, tragic thing that happened, you're not treating me like I'm a different person because of it. Yeah. Like, it's just like you said, the emotional maturity is crazy. We love an emotionally mature king. We truly do. We truly do. (laughs) So... As we talked about, they have this own little world. And so the outside world, like their friends that they have outside of this friendship, they're not really ever, their worlds never mesh. They're talked about, but they never actually mesh. And so that neither of them are ever, they're never forced to truly admit their feelings to each other because they never actually get to experience what the other person is like with their other friends in their life. Mm -hmm. So for instance, Emma is a girl that Elliot knows and he's kissed her. He went to the dance with her. And I believe something. Oh, didn't they do like over the shirt stuff or they took their shirts off or something? (laughs) There was some other little thing that they did. And Macy's pissed about it, but she won't admit it. She won't tell Elliot how she feels. And Elliot kind of just assumes that Macy's doing things with boys back in her hometown. Mm -hmm. And she's just not because she's holding out for Elliot. She's not admitting it to herself, but she's holding out for Elliot because he's her first love. He's her first everything. First person in her life that she truly can be herself around. I kind of got the feeling, not that she was immature, but that she was stunted in that part of her life i agree like she obviously didn't explore with other boys she had no interest in it whatsoever because she always just thought about elliot and i kind of 
got the vibes like summer camp boyfriend. Yes. Like you only see see him during the summer (laughs) and you just wait the whole year knowing that you're going to see him during the summer. And then everything that happened during the rest of the year doesn't matter when you're together in the summer. And then at the end of the summer, you're like, okay, bye. But she's not able to do that. No, she definitely can't separate it. And she's literally shook when Elliot tells her all the things he's done. He hasn't had sex and he hasn't really done anything too scandalous, but he's kissed some girls. He's mm-hmm. kissed some girls. He's done some feeling up, you know, some hands and pants, but like that's hands and pants. Yeah. Like that's really, that's really it. But Macy cannot wrap her head around this. She's like I said, she's just shook. I think she knows in the back of her head that Elliot cares for her on the same level that she cares for him. But so I guess in that regard, she can't really understand why he's doing all this stuff and she's just not doing anything. Yeah, because he keeps saying to her that he wants to be with her, Mm -hmm. but she won't commit to it or admit to it. And so he's like, okay, I'm not going to wait around. Like, I'm still going to be feeling some girl's boobs and kissing. (laughs) I know. And it's so interesting to me that she, that it took her so long to, to actually admit her feelings to Elliot, because you can tell in the way that it's written that they clearly care about each other. And she's just so scared to actually... She's just so scared to actually like say something to him about it. It's like she's, she loves, and I believe that this is what comes across in the novel. And I believe it's said like this, that she, the friendship that they have, she's so afraid to lose him. Yeah. Because she's she's lost her mom. Exactly. Exactly. She's so scared that the perfect friendship that they have, that they're going to mess it up by becoming more than friends, which is a very real Mm -hmm. fear because especially because they're so young. What are the chances that they actually end up together for the rest of their lives? And she doesn't want to lose their friendship, but she also is insanely jealous. Oh, so jealous. <laughs> so jealous. One of my favorite Emma, one of my, man. I know. One of my favorite scenes in the book was when Emma like shows up to the Petropolis house and the brother like eggs it on. <laughs> oh my god. I love the brothers so Oh my much. god. The brothers are great. <laughs> but so eventually they finally admit that they want to try this. They want to be boyfriend, girlfriend. And so it's their first, for both of them, their first love, their first relationship, and their first full-on sexual relationship. Yeah. Or experience, yeah. Is it me? I, I don't usually read romance. Yes. But I felt kind of weird that they were describing sex scenes between teenagers. I hate it. That's okay. one of my... Okay. No, this is not the first time that I've read like a teenage sexual scenario. And it's not my favorite. So you're not alone. You know, it had to happen. Yeah. And I don't think it was like meant in an exploitative or even like to get you turned on way. No, like, it absolutely was obviously not. Mm-hmm. very awkward. And it's obviously like just showing how awkward the first time can be but how much it meant to them and all of that but i was just like wait a minute this is a little bit weird yeah i um don't love that that's that's not one of my favorite things to happen in books because it's i don't know maybe maybe if i was a teenager reading it i would feel more comfortable obviously yeah but i think being an adult woman and that's just something that's you know i get it i do 
I get yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> I was like, um, I don't read a lot of romance, so I don't know if this is weird, but I feel weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so New Year's Eve happens and something terrible occurs which we'll get to. We're not going to discuss it yet because the buildup to this moment, I'm going to make everyone else wait. Like I had Can to I wait tell you, for years. I was like, what <laughs> could have happened between these people? I- <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, I feel the then chapters were the most important descriptive chapters and the now chapters were kind of filler. Do you feel like that? I do. I think that The parts with Sean served a purpose, the fiance, because they kind of showed how Macy was so unable to connect with anyone and she just wanted something where she didn't have to fully give herself and where she didn't have to open herself up too much. So I feel like those parts were important and they showed like the emotional turmoil that she'd been going through and the effect that it had on her. But other than that, I agree. I think that it was mostly filler and we're just kind of reading through those to get back and figure out what the hell happened on New Year's. <laughs> no. And so you discover in the now chapters that Macy is basically emotionally stunted from the death of both of her parents and the heartbreak that's been caused by Elliot. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, so they have their chance reunion in a coffee shop, which that's super cute. Love that. That's adorable. Yeah. And but it it wasn't cute. It was a hot mess. No. But I almost was kind of surprised I was a little surprised by how quick she was not to feel like she forgave him or anything, but I kind of felt like I was going to get more cold shoulder from her and I didn't get mm-hmm. that at all. Like she immediately was kind of like fell back into and I think it's said in the novel she immediately kind of falls back into how she felt about him 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. She's just brought mm-hmm. immediately back to 11 years ago and, and all like the love and emotion that she has for, for him. And so she's, yeah. her friends can tell how much she likes him because when they all meet up together at a park, the, the two friends from her old high school days are surprised that he's not the fiance. <laughs> Like, yeah, when they like meet wait, Sean, they're like, the what? Elliot? Wait, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, I feel like the reason that she wasn't as standoffish in that initial meeting is because she blames herself also. And that's mm-hmm. kind of adding to the buildup. Yeah. Of he, he obviously fucked up. We get that. And we, we don't know what happened, but we know that he's the one who fucked up. But she says, but then after I did things too. Yeah. So you're kind of like, okay, what is going on? And obviously she blames herself for them having this falling out also. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that contributes to she knew that there was that unfinished business. Yeah. yeah. And, I and think- she felt guilty about it too. And she must have truly believed that she was just never going to see him again. Mm-hmm. And so she's just been putting these feelings down deeper and deeper inside and now she's forced to look in the mirror and address all these all these revelations from her past that she just has never actually taken the time to seriously look into and it's hard for her can we talk about the fact that Elliot sees her and immediately breaks up, breaks with, up his with his girlfriend. <laughs> Imme- immediately. He said he left that coffee shop and was mm-hmm. like, ring, ring. We got to meet up because I got something to talk to you about. 
And I almost, and you could tell in that conversation when he tells Macy that he broke up with his girlfriend, I think he was expecting her to kind of do the same thing. It's almost like he, the, the, the poor sweet boy, he thinks that this is it. They're finally, he's been waiting years for this meeting with yeah. her again, and now he's never going to let her go. And then he's like, then she's like, wait, screech, I got a fiance. <laughs> And clearly, <laughs> clearly, this is a, a man who believes in fate, yeah. even though he was like gently stalking her, like he moved back to the area because he knew it was most likely that he would run into her there. <laughs> he was, you know, yeah, blowing her phone up and her email mm. up for years after until he finally got the hint. So yes, he is 1000% <laughs> already there. And she's like, I'm engaged. And he's like, what now? I know. <laughs> because also he can't believe that she could be engaged to someone because over the past 10 years, he hasn't allowed himself to mm-hmm. get close to anyone. Even the girlfriend that he was with, he barely liked her. He was like, oh, we're just friends. Yeah. So he's like, how could you be close enough to someone to be engaged? But then you learn to discover that she's really not. She's yeah. her and Sean were more or less using each other as kind of it was kind of an understanding that this was that this was a mutually agreed upon relationship you had to give no more no less than what you felt like doing because mm-hmm. Sean was already married his love of his life became a drug addict skipped mm-hmm. out on him and his daughter Phoebe and you can and now tell that's the love of his life exactly his and he's you can tell that he's hoping that eventually his wife will come his ex-wife will come back into the picture and then you have macy who doesn't really it doesn't even feel like she's in this relationship at all emotionally or mentally at all it's just like a physical i have someone to come home to Mm -hmm. and there was one point in the novel that elliot asks her like point blank are you staying in this relationship because of phoebe and she's like no, like I'd actually no, I'm not. It's just yeah. so it's not even like she's trying to take on a motherly role because she lost her mother. She's just going through the motions. She's just doing what she thinks she has to do to to survive and get by because she's never allowed herself to emotionally feel the way that she's ever done before Elliot. Like mm-hmm. she won't do it. It's almost like she refuses. It's such a relationship of convenience Mm -hmm. like she gets along with the daughter the sex is great yeah he's okay with her working 80 hours Mm -hmm. and barely passing you know seeing each other in passing but then when elliot does bring up the relationship with phoebe i was kind of like oh this is kind of fucked up that macy isn't thinking like that yeah like that even though it seems like phoebe doesn't have this close relationship with her or anything because she's like oh phoebe could care less if i'm here but that's not how kids are like yeah i know she truly has some attachment yeah she truly believes that she she's kind of invisible to the two of them realistically Mm -hmm. it's not until she sees elliot again that this kind of opens up this kind of worms for her because she's only known sean what is it two months and then they're engaged yeah (laughs) you know what i mean so it's it's kind of i think an interesting scenario that the author brings you into and it's almost kind of needed in a sense because you don't i think i would have not liked the story if she had to break some other guy's heart to get back with elliot whereas now she just has this complacent dude who's like i get it he's fully understanding of the situation like this dude is like 
all right, it's fine. And we can still be she, friends. Even she is like, this is so fucking weird. No. Like, I literally told you that my first love came back into my life, and now I'm sleeping on the couch. And you're just like, all right, cool. I mean, if you got to go, you got to go. I like, know. And she's like, like, that's a red flag. It, it is a red flag, but also a mature man you would never actually, again, find. They're literally writing fictional men. These men don't exist. Yeah, these men don't exist. <laughs> they don't Because exist. also, all of these things can be true about Sean, that he is also with her for convenience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he doesn't mind that she's in love with her ex because he's also in love with his ex. But he has a daughter. That It keeps coming back to the fact that he has a daughter and he's not going to get married to someone and permanently bring that person into his daughter's life if he's not serious about her. So that's like the kind of unbelievable part of it. Yeah, I I can see that too, because you do have a a daughter and it seems like he does care about his daughter. So there's almost, it is kind of a surprising ideal that he's willing Mm -hmm. to just marry someone willy-nilly. Yeah, and then like drop her willy-nilly or let her drop him. Because I think Phoebe said, are you my new mom or something? Yeah, and he's like... (laughs) Along those lines. I guess. (laughs) And Macy's like, yeah, you're so close to my job, so convenience again, a relationship out of convenience. Yeah. So basically, also that's Sabrina's whole role Mm -hmm. is to basically so that all of the the thoughts that are going on in Macy's head, she can say out loud to Sabrina because Sabrina barely knows Sean. She knows that Macy's completely rushing because they've known each other for two months, and there's that time after the picnic where she sees. Macy and Elliot together. And that's when she's like, basically just sits her down and is like, I don't even know who you are. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever known you because I've never seen you happy. Mm -hmm. We've known each other for 10 years and I've never seen you as happy as you were with Elliot. And that's when she says, you think you're happy, but you're barely living. And Macy is like, ouch. Yeah. But she can't deny it. No, she's like, I can't even say you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was... Sabrina was probably, I almost wish Sabrina was in the book more because I really liked her character. Yeah, she was just kind of like the token best friend who is like the sounding board mm-hmm. for Macy. But yeah, I wish that but she, she had a was, role. Yeah, because I even feel even though her role was minor, she was literally putting Macy in her place like multiple times. Yeah. You know, questioning her marrying Sean. She's the literal best friend that you want. That's always like, you sure about that? Mm-hmm. I don't think you want to do that. And because Macy doesn't have either of her parents, she doesn't let people in. Sabrina even says to her, like, you have very few people who you would call close friends. So Sabrina's really the only one who will be honest with her and who will call her out and be like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Yeah. So Elliot invites Macy to his brother's wedding on New Year's Eve. And when he first invites her to this wedding and it's only like October in the book I was so confused on how they were going to fit all like what was going to happen in those few months yeah, before the and wedding she was still engaged yeah at that and time. I just was like I was like what's going to happen and then I realized oh they literally only saw it. it's explained that they had Thanksgiving together and then she just didn't see him again until like New Year's but they like I talked thought that all was the time. kind of weird yeah which I guess is what they kind of had to do to make up for that lack of time that they just yeah, don't see each other. Yeah, but then they should have done 
like Christmas. Yeah. And then it was New Year's because just the fact that he was willing to literally drop everything to see her for five minutes. Like he was like, you tell me mm-hmm. the time I'll, I'll ride the bus with you to work just so that I can be near you for five minutes. Like that was his whole attitude. And then the fact that they don't see each other in that month. I don't care how much she works. He was ready to wait outside. Oh, I know. <laughs> and then all they're doing is she's like, oh, if I had a question about what to wear to the wedding. Like, yeah, that was kind of. It didn't dinky, fit. But yeah, yeah it, it yeah. just didn't fit with how Elliot was behaving before that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And it was such a cliche moment when he's walking down the aisle to be the best man and she can't look at anyone but him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it I was also see it. The yeah, movie moment. Exactly. But it was also really cute how happy his mom was to see her again and how it just, again, it was almost like no time left. Like there was no t- missing time between the last time she saw them. She's just immediately mm-hmm. welcomed back in into their family. And I think it's also because, first of all, that's, a part of Elliot that she loved so much Mm -hmm. that he had this big family and all this chaos and she didn't have that. It was just her and her dad who was very quiet. And also Elliot's mom really took care of them. Like they don't talk about it that much But when they invited them over for Thanksgiving and, you know, she said, Macy, I'm really going to need your help. It'll really help me out a lot if you and your dad come over. Yeah. It's so obvious that she's doing it just to include them. But I feel like there was that vibe the whole time Mm -hmm. that anything that she needed, she could have gone to their family and asked. She was literally a part of their family without Mm -hmm. ever really asking to be a part of the family. They just kind of immediately took her under their wing. Mm-hmm. Even though they usually hung out at Macy's house, it was still just this understanding mm-hmm. that she was a part of Elliot's life. Yeah. So there's a moment on the dance floor where they're having a cute little slow dance together. And this revelation had me shook that this was the first time that Macy said, I ever said, I love you to Elliot. Yeah. So they had, so it had only been said once and it was by Elliot on New Year's Eve, 11 years ago. Macy never said it back and she's never said it to him before. And he said it a hundred. He said it in the coffee shop. He said it the day after. He said it on Thanksgiving. He was probably texting it to her every night. I know. And that was, that really kind of put it into perspective for me, how close she really held her heart to her, her chat. Like, and she just, she held her card so close to her chest and she would just not allow herself to really ever fully feel something. And I, that, and that's such a big looming factor of her mother. Mm-hmm. losing her mom at such a young age that she can't even tell the kid that she's obviously in love with. She can't even like say it to him even as like a friend growing mm-hmm. up. And it's that's just this un incomprehensible fear mm-hmm. that is so real because she lost her mom and she never got over that, not expecting her to. Like no. that's a young girl growing up without her mom is unbelievable. And then she loses her dad and the love of her life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of course, she has this ridiculous fear. Of course, she doesn't let people in. Of course, she didn't have a real relationship with Sean. It all makes so much sense. Yeah, exactly. And after this moment, so Elliot, like, basically hears these words, and he is so happy. And these two just dip out of the wedding to go I'm fuck sorry. in the forest. <laughs> You left your brother's wedding, 
Like at the beginning. This I is know. after the speeches to go and fuck in the forest. Uh-huh. I was deceased. I was thinking that, okay, they're going to get to the wedding. A bunch of cute things are going to happen. There's going to be the buildup of the tension that they're going to finally have this moment together. Mm -hmm. And it just was like, oh, no, it's happening right now. It's happening right now. And also, like you said, the buildup. It's been 10 years. Elliot's been thinking about it every day for the past Mm -hmm. 10 years. And they do it in the forest? Uh (laughs) Uh, Just on the ground, in the dirt? I mean, Uh they are, I think they're, what, like 29 yeah, like 28, 29, something like that. Okay. Maybe when I was 21, <laughs> 23, 24, whatever. 29? No. Yeah. The dirt, the bugs, the, it's too much. I don't know. I no. don't know how hot Elliot is. He sounds pretty cute, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then they have this intimate moment and then it comes to an end and Macy like immediately feels remorse for doing that because they never had the discussion about what happened. And she just physically, like, can't get the words out. She cannot express what she's feeling. And Elliot's, like, pissed. And he's like, all Mm -hmm. right. And so he just gets up, like, storms away. And then Macy's like, all right, like, we just, we have to have this conversation, you know. And he just won't. I'm trying to think the best way to describe it. It was harsh. It was harsh. harsh. And I wasn't expecting that from him. Me either. It was so, it showed like just how extreme his emotions are. Yeah. Because he sees her, he immediately breaks up with his girlfriend. She has never been good with her words, but she is shutting down and he's like, okay, so do you need a ride home? Like yeah. he just, it's so extreme. Yeah. When he was literally like, oh, like you need to ride, you need to ride back. Like I, oh my God. Sorry. I'm like word vomiting. Cause when he literally said, do you need to ride back to the hotel? It was like a slap in the face. She was like, oh, okay. Like we're doing this. And she's yeah. like, nah, I'm good. And then she ends up going back to her house in Hedlesburg, the summer house. And it's there that she kind of has she just has like this emotion she finally has this emotional breakdown that she hasn't had in a decade that Mm -hmm. she's never allowed herself to have and she's talking to like the ghost of her father and she's you know like more or less asking like it's almost like asking like would you be proud of me like are you happy with where my life is you know it's are you with mom yeah like she's just very much in her feelings and Elliot ends up showing up at the house and then it's you finally just get their two stories about what happened on new year's eve so in the past in the then macy's at a party with her dad which they're fancy people didn't know that they were fancy people or that his dad was a fancy person (laughs) okay they alluded to it because she said well first of all they lived in berkeley which is Mm. very you know, okay. exclusive. But also she says, at one point she says like most of the people who live in this town where their second house is, yeah. they couldn't even afford to live in Berkeley. So the fact that they own two houses mm. in California. That's true. That's a good point. So he obviously was doing very well for himself. <laughs> yeah. So they're at this fancy dancy party. She's got this really pretty dress on and it's a couple minutes to midnight. Her phone rings. It's Elliot. She's like, dad, I gotta go take this phone call real quick. Elliot is drunk as a skunk. He confesses his, he tells Macy he's in love with her when he's drunk and then is like, will you marry me? (laughs) They're 17 years old. (laughs) I was like, hang up. And Macy's obviously like a fish with her mouth open. She's 
I don't know what to say to this. And Elliot's kind of upset about that, that she's just not responding or giving him what he's had expected to happen. But she's pissed too. I know. Because she's like, this is not how this was supposed to happen. She mm-hmm. she knows that she loves him. Yeah. And she knows that she wants to be with him long term. But she's like, how dare he say this when he's drunk? How dare he ruin this moment? How dare he do it over the phone? Yeah. Yeah. She's very much not okay with how this whole thing is happening. And so it's an unsatisfying conclusion to this phone call. And she goes back into the party and her and her dad are leaving. And the dad, the dad is so in tune with Macy, which I loved. That was their relationship, although it wasn't touched on much, when it was, I loved it so, so much. This is a father that truly loves his daughter and would do anything for her. And he can tell that she's not all right. And she's basically begs her dad. She's like, I have to go to Hito. Like, I have to go to the summer house. Like, can I go? Like, I have to go see Elliot. She doesn't really tell him what happened on the phone, but she's like, it just, it didn't end how I wanted to. And I need to, I need to finish the conversation that we were having. And the dad's like, all right. But only if you promise to let me know that you got there safe. And she's like, sure. So she goes to Christian's house, which is the drunk party that Elliot's at. And she gets there. And throughout the whole entire novel, Christian is alluded to be this typical dickhead jock that probably doesn't know how to spell anything correctly. Yeah, they <laughs> they call him a rap sheet waiting to be written there you or go. something yeah, like exactly. that. <laughs> exactly. So she's... They don't really know her because, again, Elliot and Macy's outside life has never meshed together except for Emma. And so she's like, I'm Macy. Where's Christian? And Christian is like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Like, he's gone or whatever. And she's like, how do you know? And clearly he's not gone. But Christian knows that something happened and he's playing around it and being just being a typical dick. And she ends up going... What's the other friend's name? Was it Edward? I can't remember. This is another close friend of of uh, Elliot's. And she, he's trying to persuade Macy to not look for Elliot because he also knows what happened. And so finally she goes up to a bedroom. She opens the door and she finds Elliot and Emma naked on a bed together. And he's just, they're both passed out. So her immediate reaction is the typical one she's heartbroken she doesn't understand what's going on she just found out that elliot just cheated on her and so she leaves goes back to the summer house doesn't even basically just like lays on the floor like she's just distraught and this is when you find out that her her dad ends up coming to the house because macy didn't tell her dad that she got there safely and he's a worried father again it's new year's eve Mm -hmm. and he didn't even want to let her drive anyway because of the other people on the road Mm -hmm. yeah and so but even before you know even before this part elliot admits to macy that he thought emma was macy when he had sex he was so drunk that he thought emma was macy and he didn't know until a few days later that it was actually emma yeah i'll take that with a grain of salt (laughs) no 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 no. (laughs) were you on mushrooms yeah were you hallucinating well apparently he was another face (laughs) yeah i i don't care how much you drank okay been there I have never been like, oh my gosh. I know. I slept, I 
totally thought that that was someone else that I slept with. Yeah. Like this was the one part of the book that I didn't like that I was didn't pissed. that didn't make any sense to me. And I was like, but I, you know, obviously something terrible had to happen for the most terrible part of the novel to occur. So the dad shows up. But why couldn't they have just, why couldn't it have been that they just didn't have sex? Yeah, I know. Trust me. I know. I was pissed. I was like, he literally with a straight ass face said to her, I thought it was you. Uh I saw your face and I was like, my girlfriend is here. Cool. Yeah. I'm gonna have sex with her. Even yeah. though they'd only had sex like once, once. one time, it was one time. They and literally thinks, had sex one time. I'm drunk and she's, we're going to have sex right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. We can move along. Sorry about that. So, no, it's okay. So Macy's dad comes to see her and he basically says like, you didn't let me know that you were safe. So I'm here. Glad you're okay. But obviously you're not okay. He can tell that she's completely heartbroken and he's just like, and he's like, all right, like, we'll come get the Volvo next weekend. And then there's like this a little italicized part in the novel. And she was like, I wonder like what the, like, she, I forget exactly what it says, but it, you could tell it's like a foreshadowing something tragic is about to occur. I wonder whatever happened to the Volvo or something. There you something. go. Yes. Thank yeah. you. It's something along those lines. And so I'm just like, oh, fuck. I was mm-hmm. like, no. And they get into a car accident because the dad is just so worried about macy and he just can't take his eyes off of her not that the accident truly was his fault there's obviously this speeding teenager that's drunk or on drugs and causes the accident and it pissed me off because and this is what happens all the time he got away like unscathed like he walked away no issues and obviously macy and her dad did not and when she like couldn't fathom that her dad was dead and she kept trying to go back to i was sobbing i was in tears reading this part when she was trying so hard to go back to see her dad and the police officer grabs her and holds her and he starts crying with her he was like this is exactly how i lost my brother and i'm just like i'm like fuck all this i was like and when they describe that he can't take his eyes off of her and she says i bet he wishes that he had mom's rule book with him right now Mm -hmm. because he was so For the entire time of her growing up, he was so nervous to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to do everything right by her. He wanted to do everything right by her mother. And it's like nothing could have prepared him for this situation. He knows, Macy says, I know what number rule it is. Because, you know, since then she's read it. But the fact that she says that, that he's just staring at her because he doesn't want to say the wrong thing. So he's just basically looking at her to make sure that she doesn't break right in front of him. Mm -hmm. And he's holding her hand the whole way. And then that's when she loses him. I was like, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. nope. Nope. Mm -mm. Don't like that. Yeah. Didn't like it at all. (laughs) So this horrible car accident leads to her father's death. And between the grief of of the death and the heartbreak from Elliot, she basically places the blame on Elliot for betraying her in the first place because she somewhat feels that it ultimately caused her father's death Mm -hmm. and then the decade of silence begins Mm -hmm. so here's the thing you also have this 17 year old girl who lost her mom at a young age simultaneously in the same night experiences her first real heartbreak and then loses the single most important person in her life that she has left that's family Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Can you blame her for going dead silent and ghosting you? She, you can't expect a 17-year-old girl to just get over that easy. 
Yeah. And it explains and- so much as Macy as a character now throughout mm-hmm. the you you can go back and look at her in a new with you know with rose colored glasses now it's different it's completely you can different see her relationship with sabrina mm-hmm. why that was the first person that she opened up to how she got so close to her and also this guilt because she herself is so feels so guilty and blames herself so much because her dad would not have been driving on that road if she had not insisted to go see Elliot. Mm -hmm. So she knows that that blame is on her. Not saying that she's, you know, responsible for the accident, but of course she's going to blame herself. And then she blames her feelings for Elliot because if she didn't love Elliot so much, if she didn't feel like I have to fix this, we can't have one bad conversation, I have to go and see him, mm-hmm. then this snowball effect never would have started. Yeah. And she's and based- so of course she's going to equate those two things together. Because mm-hmm. she says at the same time under that haze of heartache from Elliot, she's like, I never called dad to let him know I was here safe. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't do that, he had to come out here. And if I had just called, it's just, it's those, it's those continuous if I had, what if, you know, should, it's would have, could have, should have kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. I wasn't expecting that to be the other tragic moment. No. I, no. Because you knew her dad died and it was yeah, never because, talked about how. And I'm thinking it was like down the line, like it was two years ago. Because mm-hmm. that's the first thing. That Elliot asks when they run into each other mm-hmm. is, like, how's, how's your dad? Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, he died. And so, yes, you think it's down the line. And he is so upset that he didn't know. And she thinks that, oh, he probably would have found out somehow. Mm-hmm. And then she feels guilty for not telling him. And then when you find out that it literally happened the same night, mm-hmm. I did not see that coming at all. No, no. And now, so now she tells Elliot this. So now Elliot needs to rewire his whole brain and his whole outlook on the situation because he had no idea, which this is another thing I that didn't kind of line up to me is how do they just not know that he died? How do they just not know that like Duncan like the family didn't know that Duncan died. Yeah. And like, I get it. They have no ties to each other aside from this summer house. So it's not like they were really ever. It's not like the parents ever really talked outside of this. But they just thought that Macy was so heartbroken that they came back once in the middle of the night to pack up the house and then just never returned. Yeah. Yeah. Not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. But regardless... Ellie, so now they've both officially talked about that fateful night and they're able to finally repair their relationship and they basically just pick up right where they left off 11 years ago. Yeah. Like, like it was nothing. And (laughs) I love that for them because Macy needs him more than anything. She's Mm -hmm. had this missing hole in her heart for so long and now it's finally going to be filled again. Mm -hmm. And then- my favorite part of the end, I think this is everyone's favorite part of the book, at the very end. So throughout their entire friendship in the then, they would, con- Elliot would constantly ask her every time they saw each other, like, it would be the first thing they would say to each other, favorite word, 
And she would say his, he would say hers. They would, there was times where it was cheeky and it had to do with the current situation they were in, uh-huh. which I loved. I loved the more mature ones when they're older. Yeah. And she like, what did and she say? Like the word? Sexual innu- yeah, innuendos. I think she said like ripe and he was like turned on to the fullest by that. Yeah. Because Elliot is a bookworm. He loves words. He's, mm-hmm. he loves the language. He loves to, to express how he feels. And so at the very end of the novel, they're together finally in their new place. And it goes, favorite word, he whispers, I don't even hesitate. You. <laughs> Literally the that last words of the book. Ending. I was like, Meh. oh, I love it so much. <laughs> it did come full circle. It did. It really, really did. And I, you know, I love romance, but I swear childhood friends to lovers is really one of my favorite tropes and second chance romance. Okay. This like both. With them together. Like I think I read a book very similar to this earlier this year, Every Summer After, that was in my top five books that I've read this year. Mm -hmm. And this was... And I had read I had read a review that someone had said that this book was very similar to Love in Other Words. It definitely is very similar, but still very different. Mm-hmm. But it's just like my favorite romance trope is Enemies to Lovers because it's hot. But this, when it comes to wholesome, like second chance romance from when you're kids is probably like my number one fave. Yeah. And I loved Macy. Me too. I loved... Me too. How vulnerable, how much you just understood everything that she had gone through, why she did ice him out. Because as you're reading, you're like, really, you couldn't have even given him a chance to explain or at least like you didn't have to fully ghost him. This is before ghosting was a thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. you could have responded and said like, fuck off. I don't want to talk to you. But it just you understand it so much more. But I didn't find Elliot's loss as earth shattering as Macy's. Like it wasn't as believable to me that he could never love again after losing her and he pined after her all this time. Her loss made sense to me because she equated it with the loss of her dad. But I wasn't as sold on his side. Of him not being able to love again? Just of how how much it had affected him over the past 10 years. See, I guess I can see it because he he definitely loved her from the moment he laid eyes on her as a young kid. It may not be described as that because they were so young when they first had their encounter, but there was just something about there was something about Macy to Elliot that he I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. She was it for him. Mhm. And he found that at such a young age. And he waited and waited and waited for her to finally be able to have the courage to take that next step with him. Mm -hmm. And then they finally have it. And then it's kind of immediately ripped away from him by his own fucking fault, by the way. But he, (laughs) you know what I mean? By the mushrooms, the hallucinogens. So it's his own fault. But it's, it's almost kind of like, it's almost like his equivalence to Macy being scared to open up to him because she doesn't want to lose him. And now he did lose her. Mm -hmm. And she was just it for him. Like it was, there was no one else for him. And it took him so long 
it's almost like he was waiting for her to come around. It's kind of like that situation where you break up with someone and you're just kind of waiting for them to come back and they just never, they never do. And it's almost like she died. It's almost like she died. It's just, it was like, and there was no closure. There was no, Mm -hmm. there was nothing that ever was repaired because Macy shut him out after that night. And Elliot just feels so strongly. He's not a normal kid. Like he's not, he feels so deeply and loves so deeply. So I can understand why it took him a while to finally reopen his heart to someone because Macy was it. Clearly she was it. He broke up with his girlfriend the day he saw her. The day he saw her. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with that he feels so deeply Mm -hmm. and that because he didn't get that closure, I just felt like he didn't have as like he made his bed. Oh, I know. He had to lie in it. I completely agree with that. Yeah. And then it was like, not that he, he pressured her Mm -hmm. when they had their reunion because he was so overwhelmed with like, oh my God, this is our second chance and fate brought us back together and now we have to be together. And he did put that pressure on her. I mean, it worked. It worked out. And it's (laughs) fine because she wasn't in a happy relationship anyway. But it just seemed like they were on two different levels. You know what I mean? No, I I can definitely understand what you're saying. 100%. And this is why reading is wonderful. You see, Mm -hmm. everyone sees something from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I do have to say, to circle back to Macy's dad, I loved how supportive he was in giving Macy everything that she needed. Like you say, he took it so literal to get this summer house. And he spent every weekend up there so Mm -hmm. that she could be with Elliot. He spent the entire summer up there so that she could be with Elliot. Like maybe he wanted to be doing something else, but he didn't because he dedicated his entire life to making Macy happy. And when she talks about that survivor group where all the girls had the same like manageable haircut, but her dad learned how to do her hair and Mm -hmm. what products to buy and all that stuff. But not only that, he keeps all of his pain and his hurt bottled up in order to support him. And we know that as Macy grows up, she looks so much like her mother. Mm -hmm. So seeing her every day is a reminder of all that he's lost. And still he just dedicates his entire life to making sure that Macy has as full of a life as she possibly can without her mom. Yeah, and there's, there's two parts of the book interactions between Macy and her dad that I loved. The first was when she explains how she feels about Elliot and her dad is like, oh, so he's your whatever the mom's name was. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And she's so the dad recognizes the love that Macy has, that Macy and Elliot have for each other. My second favorite is when he totally knew that they had sex. And he's just like... Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. He's just like, "Mm, I know what happened. And he's just like, it was a it was a wholesome moment that he didn't like freak the fuck out on them. Like he just mm-hmm. was like accepted that this is a, a human nature. It's going to happen. Surprise! It didn't happen sooner. Is probably what he's thinking. And mm-hmm. he's just like, "All right, kids, see you later." <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because earlier in the book, you would kind of think that not that he would freak out, but that he mm-hmm. would be more awkward about exactly. it. Exactly, and he because just... <laughs> he starts like telling them they can't hang out in the closet anymore Uh and telling her she's too young to date. But then when it finally happens, like you said, it was inevitable. He, he saw it coming. He knew it was coming. And he was like, okay, good thing we got you on the pill, girl. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The dad was pretty great. Yeah. He's like the dad that you want, that you want as your, as a, as a girl yourself. But you know, my favorite part with them was, after the Thanksgiving dinner at Elliot's family's house, 
when he comes up to her and he's like, I'm sorry, I was so quiet tonight. Because I can imagine that the whole interaction, it's so glaring how Mm -hmm. loud and boisterous Elliot's family is and how quiet Macy's dad is. And Macy is just doesn't even give it a second thought. She's like, I love how quiet you are. That's like her like, favorite thing about him. Yeah. yeah she's, and she says something like, your, your, your heart is loud. Your heart is like loud. That. Yeah. Yeah. Or like and the love just, you feel is loud enough or, you know. Exactly. And she just reassures him with those few words. And even in that, it's like he's just trying to be good enough for her. Mm-hmm. And, and no matter what he does, he's more than enough for her. Yeah, I agree. So since like our new thing now is like discussion questions at the end of the episode, which I kind of love. <laughs> Me too. Let's do it. <laughs> I have a couple I'm going to go through because I want to see the ones that I... It was actually convenient because I was reading my book and it had like all these book questions in the back. It also mm-hmm. had like these enhance your book club and it had like these three long paragraphs of things to do with your book club. I'm like, this is too much. <laughs> yeah. It's like our book club is not that intense. We talk about the book for five minutes. Um. Okay. I liked this one. When Macy and Elliot run into each other in the coffee shop, Macy feels excitement and dread simultaneously, claiming, I've wanted to see him every day, but also I never wanted to see him again. How does the contradiction of this statement relate to the novel's theme of love? Do you think falling in love might also be described as both wonderful and terrible? I mean, of course, especially for Macy, Mm -hmm. because she knows that Her love with Elliot is all-consuming, just like her dad's love was for her mom. And she knows that the problem with all-consuming love is that you're opening yourself up to be vulnerable. Not only are you opening yourself up to heartbreak, which he already broke her heart once, but you're also opening yourself up that you could lose this person. She Mm -hmm. has lost everyone that she loved. Like, I could totally see how she would be terrified to open herself up to him Mm -hmm. specifically again because he has that power over her. Yep. I agree completely. And it's, you know, when you think about when you're younger, the feeling of falling in love and how beautiful you hope it'll be. And then you're kind of hit with this reality that love isn't all it's cracked up to be and that heartbreak is inevitable at some point in your life, whether it's friendship breakup, real breakup, losing someone you love unexpectedly, like there's so much heartbreak in your life. And so in general, loving something is wonderful, but terrible, because you're gonna lose it eventually, Mm -hmm. no matter what you're gonna lose it. But you're allowing she Macy finally allowed herself to feel that love for Elliot. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) it all got fucked within like six months. (laughs) Within like, one hour yeah and so i can <laughs> understand one phone call and i can understand why she says she you know i wanted to see him every day because she it, again it's kind of like vice versa elliot was it for macy but he ripped her apart mm-hmm. and so she never wanted to see him again but of course she wanted to see him but she didn't mm-hmm. want it's like it's like a pendulum well, it's also like do you know if this person that he is 10 years later and the person that she is 10 years later are even going to be compatible anymore yeah. are those feelings of love going to be the same like my high school boyfriend are you kidding me i thought we were going to get married and live happily ever after now if i saw him in the street i'd run the other way like no thank you mm-hmm. i'm good so it's like the fact of them growing separately, even though they were both kind of like at a standstill emotionally, they still grew. They still had life experiences. They're still adults now. Mm -hmm. And they're still able to mesh together. And she 
acknowledges it a couple times and says like do i know this new elliot does he still do this does he still do these things i remember but it turns out that the ways that they grew still go together Mm -hmm. absolutely all right and i'm gonna do this last one because this was a question that i think is really good at the very end of the book why does elliot want to move past this closet Do you agree with Elliot that you can't go backward and that the key to happiness is moving forward? I think given their situation, 100%. And it's so heartbreaking to Macy to realize it that this closet was the beginning of everything for her. Mm -hmm. The literal beginning of everything. And it meant so much to her. It was her safe haven. Mm -hmm. It was the one place where she could be her true self. She could be with the love of her life. It encapsulated her love of reading and just Mm -hmm. taking yourself away into your own little world. And even though it's been a decade, I'm sure seeing that closet again with Elliot after everything, you almost want to go back into it and just continue your story. And I think it's so brave of Elliot to be like, no, like we can't. Like, we can't Mm -hmm. go back to that. Too much has happened. And now we're different people. And now we need to grow together in a new place together. We need to... He says, last time we came out of this closet and had this, you know, had our real lives meshed together, it got fucked up. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's going to happen again. And that's what she's so scared of. Mm -hmm. The first time that they had an interaction outside of this damn closet or outside of their little bubble. Yeah. Everything was completely ruined. The whole world came crashing down and it just was Mm -hmm. fire. Pure fire. (laughs) Yeah. But I think I agree with you. It's Elliot's view of it is like, this is a chapter that we have Mm -hmm. to close because we can start a new chapter. And there's not only all the amazing memories, but now there's bad memories associated Mm -hmm. with it too. Yeah. So it's like, let's start fresh with new memories even if we're building on that foundation that we built when we were teenagers. Mm -hmm. Again, we love an emotionally mature king. (laughs) We do, except when he gets so drunk that he does not realize it's Emma. It's Emma. Fucking Emma. Okay. If it was a stranger, we wouldn't have been as upset, but it's Emma. Yeah. And Emma didn't do anything wrong. Okay. But. Well, I don't know. So I've seen conflicting uh, views on this. People are saying people view this as uh, Elliot being sexually assaulted. Really? Yes. Because Emma obviously knew that Elliot was dating Macy and she's held this torch for Elliot and he was so drunk and I'm assuming that he said that Amy was calling her Macy and she's probably just like fuck it I don't care I want to fuck him so people yeah. are saying it's kind of he like probably a, did say like oh my gosh you actually drove here yeah. like something like that yeah so people so I've he seen... was consenting but not to mm-hmm. what he was yeah. consenting to exactly so people are kind of saying that Emma took advantage of him wow okay I could see that and I, I could definitely and I see didn't... that I didn't even think of that until I saw people talking about it on Goodreads. Yeah. And I was like... It's hard to say because they were 17, 18 years old. Not saying that sexual assault can't happen. But that she could have also been so inebriated Mm -hmm. that she was also not realizing that there was no consent. Like this could have been a a simultaneous... Yes. Exactly. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like neither of them should have been consenting to anything. That's also 
could be completely true. Yeah. You know, it was just a situation in the book that occurred that fucked everything up. <laughs> yeah. But I do agree that, like, even before that, Emma did know that Elliot didn't want anything serious and still would, like, text him and still would, mm-hmm. you know, kind of try and, like, chase after him. But I feel like if you look at it from Emma's point of view, regardless of New Year's, like, take that out of the equation, she's never met Macy. She saw her the one time when she's sitting on the mm-hmm. roof. So to her, it's like, Macy's not a real person. Why Why are you pining over this person that you only see on the weekends exactly. when you could have me uh-huh. every day of the week? I agree completely with that. So it's such like a teenage angst. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. On that note, was there anything else that you wanted to discuss that I did not touch on? I think we covered it all. I know it was a lot. And even though it was only more or less about this relationship, there was still a lot that happened. <laughs> there was a lot that happened. <laughs> and I didn't realize it until we really started talking about it. I was like, oh, this yeah. is going to be fine. And I'm like, oh, no, a lot actually did happen. <laughs> yeah. And even when you think about like their relationship, it seemed like the actual relationship part, like you said, was nothing. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was so short. Mm-hmm. But all that buildup, yep. she looks at it as they were together for five years. Which I don't blame her because yeah. they, they realistically, they were. Even though it was platonic those first mm-hmm. couple of years, it wasn't. It really it was wasn't. so deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. So for ratings, I went super cute, of course, because it's romance novel. So out of five favorite words. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I'm giving it four favorite words. I couldn't put it down. I loved the writing. Like we said, I don't understand how these two women are able to write a book together that flows so well. I can't give it five favorite words because the excuse Elliot gave for sleeping with Emma took me out of the story. Like I was, I was like, I want to throw this book across the room. And then some of the time gaps that we talked about just didn't make that much sense to me. But I would definitely read more by them. And I would be excited to try something else written by them. Cool, because I have one I'm going to give you because The Unhoneymooners is my favorite book so far that I read by them. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that one. So okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, So when that happened with Ellie and Emma, I was it took it I agree it took me out of the book. And I was like, this is gonna be a 4.5er. And then everything happened with her dad. And I was like, it pulled me right back in. I'm like, five, five stars, five stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gave it five out of five favorite words. I do agree that there were certain things I didn't love. But when I mm-hmm. finished the book in my heart, the way that I felt was that it was deserving of being a full five, five star reading. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. Exactly. How it made you feel. Because I literally was like, oh, hate this. Hate this so much. Yeah. And then when you find out her dad died, and it just explained so much for me about. Because it was like, what really happened that Macy really couldn't talk to him for a whole fucking decade? Mm-hmm. Like, what was mm-hmm. so bad? I almost, when she said that she messed, when, she, when it was um, insinuated throughout the novel that she messed up too, I was like, there's no way she, I'm like, if they said that she cheated. I'm going to be big mad because yeah. it was so, it's so uncharacteristic for her, which the same thing was uncharacteristic for Elliot as well, but whatever. But I was like, if she did the same thing or something happened along those lines, I'm literally going to throw this book into a fire because that's going to be, mm-hmm. that's going to piss me off so much. And then when you discover what happened, you're just like, fuck, like this girl, this poor girl lost mm-hmm. everything in her, the two most important people in her life. Aside from the one she already lost, she lost them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. One physically, 
and the other one emotionally. Like, And then she just goes on to be so successful. Yeah. And to be a doctor working with children. Yeah. Like, I could never. What? I could never. No. I would be so emotionally destroyed that I could not accomplish something no. like that. No. So. Better woman than me, Macy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you use. If you have any book recommendations or questions for us, you can email us at fullybookedcathpod at gmail.com. Also, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at fullybookedcathpod to see our upcoming reads. Thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. It's been so long since you've said that. Bye.